Welcome to the Christ Community Church podcast. Today we are discussing the sermon from Sunday, July 23rd, which was Persecution to Proclamation, where we were diving into Acts chapter 8. I am Ryan Balby, the interim teaching pastor here at Christ Community Church, and... I'm Chris. I'm the young adults pastor here. Do I have to say my last name? No, I'm Chris I guess Johnson. not. I guess not. I mean, your your name's very generic, anyways. It is. So I guess we don't need your last name. Fair enough. I don't know. That was a weird statement, but that's all right. It's there. It doesn't matter. I guess you don't really need my last name either, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyways, Chris, let's dive into the text today because uh, that's what the people are here for. And, all right. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. So thank you. Yeah. So we are going through our series in Acts. Uh, we arrived at Acts chapter eight. Can you fill us in on how, how do we get here? How do we get to this passage and, and what's happening right now in the book of Acts? Okay, so in Genesis chapter one, just kidding, I'm not going back that far. Um, yeah, so in the book of Acts, we're seeing the, the beginning of the church. And this is what we're talking about. Like, how are we being the church right. continued from what Christ commanded the apostles to be and really commanded the, the whole church to be? So what's what are those commands that we're supposed to live out? What are the things we're seeing that we're supposed to do? Um, and so we saw Acts 1 that he made it very clear. Hey, the gospel is going, you're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and then you're going to be witnesses. That's your your call. That's what the church is. We are witnesses of Jesus Christ. Like we're, we're coming together to be filled up and to encourage one another, but we're witnessing to each other and also witnessing to those who don't believe. And so Acts chapter two, we see the Holy Spirit uh, enters the apostles and they begin to move in power. And we see just some incredible moments of the apostles preaching the gospel um, but so far, what we've seen in Acts 1-8, Jesus said that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. And we've only seen the gospel proclaimed in Jerusalem. Now, last week I mentioned this, that we are starting to see the gospel spread yep. because Stephen was preaching to people who were from the north and the south of Israel. Um, we saw that in Acts chapter 2 as well, where it said people were gathered from all different nations. They all heard uh, the scriptures being proclaimed, the, the gospel message being proclaimed in their own tongues. So there's an assumption that the gospel is moving beyond Jerusalem, but we haven't seen any one of the Christ followers go and do that yet. And so Acts chapter eight, what happens is it comes right off the the end of Stephen's story. Uh, As a matter of fact, verse one picks up and says, and Saul approved of their killing him. So Stephen is, has been, has been stoned. He's been killed by this group of religious leaders. Saul is present there with him. The story picks up and basically says a great persecution broke out, Mm. which sounds bad and is bad. I mean, we don't want to we don't want to neglect that. Like that is bad. Um, but ultimately it's going to lead to God doing some really incredible things and really the gospel moving forth. As a matter of fact, in verse one, it tells us that a, a great persecution broke out and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Yeah. And so immediately there's a connection to Acts 1.8 where we see Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And here in Acts 8, one, we're seeing it has now gone from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria because the Christians are spreading out. And verse mm. four will tell us they were proclaiming the gospel everywhere they went. And then we kind of get this zoomed in focus of Philip in Samaria and then Philip speaking to the Ethiopian eunuch. And in the middle of that, the story with uh, Peter and John and uh, a sorcerer named Simon and his potential conversion. Um, but we might cover that at the end uh, there. But that's kind of where we are at is we're seeing the gospel move forth into these new places. And Chris, what we're seeing is second generation of Christians yeah. picking, up the, picking up the mantle and carrying the mantle forth because Philip, this Philip is not the apostle Philip, he's the deacon Philip. 
And so now we've seen it progress to Philip and a whole bunch of unnamed Christians. I mean, when verse four tells us that, um, that the gospel was being proclaimed in all these spaces, it, it doesn't name any of them. Right. And yet we know that these are Christians who are not the 12 apostles. So, you know, you assume the seven deacons were there who have been named in Acts, but there's a lot of Christians that their names haven't even been mentioned and they're doing God's work. They're filled with the spirit. Like our names are not mentioned in scripture, but we are filled with the spirit and able to do the work that God has given us to do, to be witnesses here now, 2000 years after this moment. So we're seeing the gospel move forth. We're seeing God use all different types of people and we're seeing God reach all different types yeah. of people, which is really cool. That That is really cool. And it's cool, you know, just to reflect every week, uh, we reflect that the same spirit that we're reading about, the same spirit that is filling these, the apostles and the, the appointed deacons, the same spirit that we're reading about fills us here today. And that's just a great reminder to remind us of every week. Uh, so one of the questions that we like to ask on the podcast is uh, because we want to be readers of the word, but we want to be doers of the word. And ultimately we want our heart transformed by the word, by mm -hmm. the truth. So as you're preparing for this message, what is something that, that maybe God was teaching you or something that you're learning on your, on your own journey as you're preparing for this message? Yeah, I actually don't remember what I said last week. So forgive me if this is the same thing, but this is just what's on my heart. And really, as we look ahead to the next couple weeks as well, this is something that is big in the book of Acts through chapter seven, eight, nine, uh, 10, especially. And, and, may, and I assume past that as well. Um, but these are kind of the chapters I'm, I'm focused on right now. And, and so what I'm learning is to have a lot of humility. Um, in an understanding that I'm not there yet. Yeah. I'm still being sanctified. I'm still being worked on. Um, God's not done with me, which I'm grateful for. Amen. But also to understand that like, I'm not a perfect Christian. Uh, I'm, I'm close. I'm about as close <laughs> as it comes, but I, I'm not a perfect follower of Christ, right? Like, yeah. and what we just like seeing in this text, the places they're entering and, and just the transformation of the apostles that is happening here. And in Acts chapter 10, we're gonna see this from Peter and Saul's story. We're gonna see people that are like hesitant to welcome Saul in. And, and it's like, God is doing a work in people. You know, he says the gospel is gonna go to the ends of the earth to these people that they may have not expected it to reach, to these people that they may have not wanted to reach. And I, I just think, I, I think of Jonah and I think of him running from, from Nineveh because he didn't want them to be saved. And, and it just leads me in this as they're in Samaria, a place that they were, um, that they had wars with, that they just, they did not get along with, that there was this hatred between these two people. Uh, you know, you see just the way that the gospel's moving in this direction. It would have been very challenging for them. They would have probably had a hard time with it. Like they, they're, they're preaching the gospel to people who had been their enemies, who had been enemies of, mm. of, of God, who had been enemies of Israel, who had been enemies, like it's just a, of so many different things. And yet now it's like they're brothers and sisters and we love them and we care for them and we, and we evangelize to them. And, and I think for me, it's like, you know, you look at John's story and, and down the road, John is there, but in Luke nine, he's praying that fire or, well, he's asking Jesus if Jesus wants him to call down fire upon the Samaritans. And, and it's this crazy transformation that happens. And I think like you look at the Pharisees and their hardened hearts where it's like, they just think they have it all figured out and they think they know everything. And, and yet Jesus over and over and over again in the gospels and here in Acts, we see that there's this reminder like, no, you are called to love God, submit to him, mm -hmm. humble yourself and to love others. And that means every person you come in contact with. And I, I just think that there's a lot of like, for me, it's a lot of humility of like, 
I do. I mean, honestly, like I do think I'm a pretty good follower of Christ. Like, sure. like I think I, I, for the most part, am doing what God wants me to do. And there's some areas where I'm like, okay, there's, you know, there's some things I could be more sanctified in, you know, I could probably like be on social media less and read my Bible more, right? Sure. Like those, those are easy ones. Yeah. But when it comes to how I view people, how I treat people, um, my care for their souls, mm. I think there's a lot of room to grow. And, and so I just am learning for myself of like, as I'm, as I'm looking at the way Philip submitted and was humble and John and Peter and their kind of transformation, I'm just seeing humility is so important. And just to really explore scripture and to see the way God sees people and try and have that mindset, it's a really, really challenging thing to do if we're honest. Um, and I think so often it's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a nice story about like going to a, a place where they didn't want to go. Yeah, and It's like, that's so much more than that. And so we just have to humble ourselves and and listen to where the spirit is guiding us, even when it's hard. Oh, definitely. I mean, loving your neighbors, this is something that we that we talk about often in church is loving our enemies, or loving our enemies, praying for our enemies, and you know, going and sharing the gospel with those that aren't very nice to us. That's easier said than done, uh, but it's something that we are called to do and something that we're challenged to do. So it does take a lot of humility, like you mentioned, to actually do that, to actually live that out, to be the church, which is what we're trying to do at the end of the day. Yeah. By the way, this is, this is a central theme for Luke. In Luke's gospel, Luke is actually the only one who includes the story of the Good Samaritan, which is kind of mm. crazy because it's a very popular story. So you would kind of assume that's in all the gospels. Um, and I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. Uh, <laughs> but, but Luke definitely specifically has it in there. And it's because he really has a heart to show the way that Jesus loved the outsider right. and brought the outsider in. And, and so it's reminding, like we talk about this here at Christ Community, we got this from, uh, from, from somewhere else, but like the idea is that we wanna allow people to belong while they figure out what it means to believe and then trust that the word and the spirit are gonna correct behavior. And in many churches, they, and many Christians reverse that and they focus on behavior. Yeah. And we wanna see behavior transform because that's the most obvious thing. And then we'll worry about you believing and then we'll allow you to belong if you get those things right. And like, that's not the model that Jesus demonstrated. Right. He allowed people who disagreed with him. He allowed mm -hmm. people who were enemies of the gospel like to belong while they figured out what it meant to believe. And like, it's a reminder again that Christ wants all of us, not just, um, like not just us to give up this one sin. He wants complete like surrender to him. And again, I think that's what's being seen here is the disciples are finally surrendering all of themselves to him. Yeah. And then they're encouraging others to do that as well. Yeah, and we see the fruit of that. We see the gospel pre being proclaimed in all these other places now that they finally submitted. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that you mentioned something about how, how people throughout scripture are gathered and then mm -hmm. scattered. Can you elaborate on that? What does that mean? Yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, I think in, in my notes, I said, this is the regular pattern of the church. I, I should have put, this should be the regular pattern of the church because I don't know that we do this well. We tend to do one or the other well, but like you go back to Genesis and God said, Hey, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Right. He said that to, to Adam and Eve. Um, then he's re like reaffirmed that to Noah and his family. And so there is this idea of, yes, you are gathering to be filled up. Right. And so Hebrews tells us, don't give up meeting together. Corinthians tells us we are the body of Christ. We need one another. So we need the gathering. And, th and that's not just Sunday mornings, by the way, like that can be small groups that can be um, just one-on-one -on -one time with another brother or sister in Christ that, that you're mentoring, discipling, or just have fellowship with. Um, 
like we need Christian fellowship and we yeah. need times together to study the word and pray and worship and do all these things. Uh, and then there is supposed to be this scattering as well. Like you see the opposite of this in Genesis with the Tower of Babel, like they were building for their own glory, but so that they could stay in this space and be like protected in this yeah. one space. And God's like, nope, I'm going to scatter you because you're not listening to me. And so here, I don't know in Acts if this is like, they've been disobedient. And so God's like, okay, I'm going to use persecution to spread you out or whatever. Um, but the persecution is forcing them to do what God had asked them to do in the first place, which is be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so um, it's this reminder that in our daily lives, like if we can't just hang around Christians all the time, we need to scatter into the world to be the light of the world, to be the hope of the areas of influence that we have. And so yeah. there is this scattering that needs to happen where, you know, when, when in Matthew 28, when Jesus says, now go and make disciples, that go is a passive go, but it means like go about your, your business and make disciples everywhere you go, everywhere you are. And so that's really what our call is, is yes, gather together to be filled up, to be strengthened, to be encouraged, um, to spend time in prayer, to encourage one another, uh, and then scatter to your areas of influence so that you can be a light and a witness. But if we don't go, if we're not getting into these spaces with non-Christians as well as like, you know, yes, our regular spaces, but right. like also we need Christians who have that stirring to go to places where the gospel has yet to uh, be proclaimed. Like we need Christians to go to different places and plant churches and be missionaries and do all these different things. So there is a, a scattering that has to happen. And again, Christ community, like I would love to see our building filled up with, with worshipers, filled up with people who are coming to repentance and worship and, and being filled up. But the goal is not just to fill up the building. The goal is to fill up the building and then to fill the people up in the building and to send them out so that the work is multiplied. And the bigger we get, the more we should be sending people out to right. plant new churches and be missionaries in other places as well. So yeah, like big churches are fine. Um, but as long as you are sending people out, and this is the task of the whole church. Again, in, right. in Acts here, it was all the Christians that were doing this because they were scattered. So they, they still had the gathering and they still had ways, you know, like the apostles had ways of finding out that this was happening. So they're still gathering, but they also need to, to be scattered as well. Yeah, the gathering is important. It's important that we are gathering together. We're, we're reading the word, we're in scripture, we're learning, but that, that the word transforms our heart and then we go out and then we, we spread that. Why wouldn't we want other people to experience what we're experiencing, the good news of Jesus Christ? Yeah, we're both sports guys, Chris, and so you got to get in the huddle to figure out the game That's plan right. and to figure out the play, but you, then you got to break out of the huddle to actually go and, and, and act the play. Of course, in that case, you're going against the other team. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but like, <laughs> you get the point. Yeah, so your main point of the message was that God took the persecution of his people and used that to proclaim the good news. He used that to for good. Uh, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, scripture tells us that you know, what man intends for evil, God can use for good and God will use for good in many times. I think at the end of Genesis, it said that, and you see that in the book of Genesis a lot. And you see that here in Acts, that Saul and his buddies uh, wanted to stop the message and instead they helped to spread the gospel. And I think what that really tells me is like God's heart is, is greater than our heart. Like God desires for people to hear the message. He desires for people to know him, um, to come to a place of repentance. And so God is going to use any means possible to see that gospel message proclaimed. And, and I just think this is just a powerful moment where in the church, sometimes we look in as Christians, we can look and say, man, my circumstances are so painful. Um, 
and it's okay to feel the weight of that. We saw that in eight verse two, where like they mourn for Stephen. So it's okay to feel the weight of that, but also to understand that God will take both good and bad circumstances. If we are faithful, he will use all of that for his glory. Mm -hmm. And so we just need to be willing to submit, keep our eyes on Jesus through every circumstance and, and keep proclaiming the good news in every circumstance because we have a God who loves his people right. um, and, and is going to use his people, is going to reach his people um, at, at whatever means necessary. And it's a joy that we get to be a part of that. But that's where our hearts should be is that like we are so desperate to see people saved that it's like, man, if persecution is what it takes, then like praise God for persecution, right? Like that's that's a challenging thing to say. Oh yeah. Um, but again, this is God's heart where he's like, if if man wants to like try and bring harm, I'll use that for good. Mm -hmm. And and the gospel continues to move in the midst of difficult circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We I mean we see it throughout scripture. Like a lot of bad things happen in scripture, but there's always the light at the end of the tunnel. There's always hope at the end of the day, and we find that hope in Jesus. Um, and, and yeah, we are called to proclaim the good news to the ends of the earth. And, and you talked about in your message about how there's not a place that the gospel can't reach. Uh, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. I, and, and again, this is one of those where I had to explain a little bit more. I, I said that the gospel can and will reach all places. And I think mm -hmm. that's true because in Acts 1.8, he says it's going to reach the ends of the earth. So I believe that what Jesus said is true doesn't mean that everyone's going to be saved. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to hear the message and receive the message. Mm. Um, but I don't think there's a location or a people group that God can't reach. And, and that, you know, I think many times we can look at certain people and, and think, oh, they're too far gone. And I think that's the really scary thing. Like we could talk about, you know, places that, that have no phones and we don't know their language and different yeah. things. And, but I mean, we've seen God reach those places. Mm -hmm. Like we, we've seen that that has happened, that the gospel has gone to places like that and it needs to keep going to places like that. I, I think for, for more people who are listening right now, the more common thing is to assume that like a certain political party or a certain celebrity or a certain neighbor who uh, just is like really frustrating that the gospel can't be proclaimed to that person because they're too far gone. They're yeah. too like not Christian. It's like, uh, have you seen Saul's story? Like <laughs> the Samaritan story? Like, I, I mean, it's, you know, God uses Philip in an incredible way to, to reach like the Ethiopian people, to reach the Ethiopian eunuch. Like Simon the sorcerer is like, you know, repenting seemingly and, and like giving his life to Christ. And it's just like these, these crazy stories where it's like these people who never should, like you just would look at them and be like, there's no way, like there's no way they're gonna end up in church. There's no way they're yeah. gonna end up receiving the gospel. And it's like, we need to be faithful to proclaim the gospel to everyone God puts in our path and not to think that person's too far gone because that's the regular like habit of like what God does is he takes the people who no one expects and he turns their lives around and he uses them. Again, Paul's story is just ridiculous. Like yeah. when you really actually think about it, it's like in our current culture, he wouldn't be preaching the gospel because he would be in prison for what he had done, yeah. right? And, and the church, which they are hesitant, but like would rightfully like shun him and be like, no man, like you were throwing us in prison, you were having us killed. Like a lot of people would hesitate to accept him. And so it's just, God does incredible things and does great transformation, like miraculous work on people's hearts. And so we just need to uh, rejoice in that, to pray for that um, and to expect that. Uh, with with people that we think are too far gone or just there's no way that we could ever reach them like and maybe you just don't have access to that person and you're like well no one no Christian has access to this person so how are we going to ever reach them 
I don't know, pray for them. Like God can do miraculous <laughs> things. Like you might just show up next to their chariot one day or something, you know, I mean, whatever. Like there's so many different ways that God works. So we see that in this, this passage that it's reaching unexpected places, unexpected people. And we should expect that and hope for that. That's right. Well, yeah, you you go back to the story of Saul who turns into Paul. And like the, the first verse of the passage that we covered yesterday said, Saul approved their killing of them. So we see this, we see this transformation in him and, and God can use Saul then he can use he can use any of us none of them if Saul wasn't too far gone neither are we yes amen to that so we covered a lot we covered a lot yesterday but there were some parts of the chapter that we had to skip over or we just grazed over is there anything else in the chapter that you wanted to cover or explain or elaborate on yeah just let me take a, a minute on Simon the sorcerer because we kind of primarily skipped over that passage again here's a man who really seemingly is doing things disobedient to God. I mean, people are calling him the power of God because he's doing this, this sorcery, which it seems like from, from text, from um, some commentaries, that this is, this is kind of like doing magic tricks, right? Like this is him just putting on a show for people to make them think that he is great. Mm. So he doesn't have a real power, a real authority, but, um, but people think he, do, he does. And, and then what happens is the apostles show up and they start praying that the Holy Spirit would come on these people. And there's at least in some sense an outward sign of, of the Spirit's movement. And we see this in speaking in tongues or the tongues of fire, you know, like different things, the wind that happened in Acts 2. So we see a few different outward signs. Something is going on that it is clear that the Spirit is now present in the life of believers in Samaria. And, and Simon, he believed, it says he believed the message and he became a believer. He was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Um, but then he looks at the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon people and he tries to pay off Peter and John to give him the ability to, uh, to put the Holy Spirit into people's lives. Huh. And they're basically like, hey, away with your money. Um, verse 21 says, you have no part or share in, in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. So there's a question like, was his repentance real? Was his baptism real? Like, was he really putting his trust in Christ? Is this a moment where it's showing that that wasn't real or just showing that he needs to be sanctified and needs to grow in that? Um, I am under the impression that he is just needing to grow, that he misunderstands some of the things he needs to understand. But I think this passage is really about transformation and how God can do incredible work. And so I think with Simon, we're seeing someone who wants to get it, but just doesn't get it. And, yeah. and here's this moment where he's tempted still by a, a worldly thought. He's tempted by money and power and, and those things are very tempting. And so I think even for believers, again, that humility comes into play. Like, where am I like Simon? Where am I still trying to ask for the things of this world or trying to buy God's power for right. my own glory when it's supposed to be about him? Like we talk about making fully committed followers and fully committed followers are those who are not asking what's in it for me. And so this is a moment where he's still asking what's in it for me. Yeah. But I think it's, it's a place where he's showing he's a new believer or a growing Christian, not that he's not saved, but that he needs some sanctification in his life. And that's going to come over time through being in community, spending time around the apostles. And he even asked them to, he, you know, he asked them to pray for him. He says, pray to the Lord for me. Uh, this is verse 24, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. And, and I think that he genuinely has that fear of the Lord, but he doesn't understand that my life now is fully dedicated to him and I need to submit myself to him. By the way, Peter and John, 
also had moments of that, right? Like Peter has a moment where he's like, geez, you're not going to die. Like I'm going to protect you, whatever. And, yeah. and she's like, get it behind me, Satan. You know? So like they had these moments as well where they didn't get it. John and was it John and Peter? There was a group of them that were fighting. I know John and James were involved because I think their mom went and asked Jesus, like if they could sit at the right and the left hand side of him. And he's like, Hey, that's beyond you. And then there's kind of this fighting of like, Whoa, who gets to like, who gets the most glory of the apostles? And and so we've seen moments where like the apostles weren't there and now they are proclaiming the same message that Jesus proclaimed to them. And so that's what I think is happening here is that Simon is being transformed It's taking time. We're not there yet, but we're on that path and the spirit's going to keep doing the work in our hearts to lead us to true repentance. And by the way, then the the story of Philip and the Ethiopian, just incredible. Like God says, Hey, go South on this road. Uh, he does that. There appears this, um, this chariot. God says, go to that chariot and stay near it. Philip runs up to the chariot, which it seems like the chariot might be moving at that moment. And so like, he just, you know, has this like super speed or superpower. And maybe this chariot's just there and he just runs up to it. Um, but then he gets in the chariot. The man is reading from Isaiah 53, which is just this incredible prophecy about Jesus. Philip preaches the good news to him. The man is baptized. And then it tells us that Philip uh, says, when, when they came up out of the water, this is verse 39, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Like just this moment where it sounds like Philip just literally disappears from one place <laughs> and appears somewhere else. Like crazy what God can do. Um, And that's not even the cool part of the story though. The cool part of the story is the heart transformation in this Ethiopian who uh, gave his life to Christ in that moment was baptized and now is taking the gospel, works for the Ethiopian queen. So he's taking the gospel to Ethiopia and the gospel is gonna continue to travel. And so it's like, it's not really a story about Philip's superpowers, which is not Philip's at all, it's the Holy Spirit, but it's a story about the spirit doing work on people's hearts. That's right. So yeah, that's that's Acts chapter eight for you right there. Yeah, um, that's good. We're, we're continuing our series in Acts for the next several weeks. Uh, where are we at next week? Yeah, Acts chapter 9 uh, next week, which is a very important story because it is Saul's conversion. And so we've been setting up Saul the last two weeks, yeah. seeing that right now, and it's important to remember, like he is, he is an enemy of the church. Definitely. Like we would not like this guy. Nope. Like we would be scared of this guy. We would want judgment and justice brought upon him. And yet Stephen prayed for him, mm-hmm. uh, prayed, Lord, don't hold this sin against him. And, and Jesus is going to meet him and, and, and you know, Jesus is going to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this. Like he's going to have to deal with this sin. Um, but we see that when he steps into the church, there's some hesitancy to receive him. And again, I think we're going to see continued transformation in the church that no one is too far gone, right? That if God's going to do a work in their heart, like praise God for that, that we need to be praying for the lost. We need to be praying for the broken. And so, you know, we see kind of Saul's story set up here at the beginning of Acts chapter eight. And next week we'll see his conversion that comes because men were faithful to the gospel, um, to, to listen to the spirit and to do what God had called them to do, even when it was challenging. Stephen's prayer was a challenging prayer to, to pray for those who persecute you. That is challenging to do, especially if you actually mean it right. Um, and, and, and praying for, not just for their behavior to change, not for them to um, be smitten, smitten, smoked, whatever that is, <laughs> uh, but for them to be transformed. Like that's where our hearts should be. So anyway, so that's, that's what's gonna be next week, which is a pretty cool story. And then um, 
well, yeah, I won't get into Acts chapter 10, but I'm excited about Acts chapter 10. It's one of my favorite passages in scripture. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Saul's conversion. And it's just amazing the, the testimonies that happen when you, when you approach situation or approach people with love and humility and just the gospel, the way that Jesus commands us to, to treat others. It's crazy how just by treating them well can, can transform their hearts or can show them just a little bit of who Jesus is and then they can find out for themselves afterwards. Yeah, and in Saul's case too, I mean, the power of prayer because Jesus is literally going to meet with him and Jesus is gonna be the one who converts him. Like, it's yeah. not like he went and saw a Billy Graham sermon, um, <laughs> but like like Jesus is the one who shows up. But so you, you just take even just the power of prayer, the power of acting correctly, of demonstrating love, of speaking truth in all situations. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot that kind of fed into this um, that, that we shouldn't miss either. Like the right. spirit is always doing the work in our hearts, but also like, the Spirit is using faithful witnesses uh, who pray, who love, who speak truth That's right. um, for His glory. So, yeah. with that be being said, yeah, yeah, yeah. With that being said, we uh, we hope that you will join us next Sunday at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., or 10:45 a.m. Uh, no, wait, do we only have two services next week? I don't know, remember. Anyways, but join us next Sunday, and uh, we will also be online, and we'll be back with podcast next week. We appreciate you. Have a great day. And we'll see you next Sunday.